All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number two hundred and twenty-seven. I'm your host Vince. Over there is your host Phil. Hi, everyone. Holy Jesus Christ! In the in in this episode, we are talking about Netflix's "The Harder They Fall," starring Idris Elba and a bunch of other people. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind you that Three Drinks In is available on all streaming services, including Apple Podcasts. Please make sure that you subscribe wherever you listen. Make sure that you leave a five-star rating if you can. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Three Drinks In Pod on both. You can like us on Facebook, and compliments, comments, and sponsor offers can be sent to Three Drinks In Podcast at gmail.com. I also want to point out that we have our our merch store over there at tpublic.com. And this episode is brought to you by uh, Paramount Pictures' Deadlock, starring Bruce Willis and Patrick Muldoon. Uh, stay tuned to hear more about that later on in the show. So, very robust intro from you there. I thought I'd change it up after 237 episodes. <laughs> Well done. I usually, I usually don't. So. <laughs> it's usually a barely audible grunt. So yeah, well, I eat, a, I eat the same bologna sandwich every single day. I like things to be pretty consistent. So, yeah. do you really still eat bologna sandwiches every day? Every day. That's They're good. It's so. more bologna than anybody should probably probably eat. It's more bologna than anybody ever has eaten. So, yeah. I don't care. I like it. <laughs> no cheese, right? It's just bologna on bread. It's just bologna on that's, bread. That, that's amazing to me. Why would you mess with the classics? <laughs> and the deli guy is always like, you sure you don't want cheese with that? I was like, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, it's fatty enough. You don't really need cheese. It's not a not a lean cut of meat. No. That's why it's $3 <laughs> a pound. <laughs> It's the it's the last, the last thing we can all all afford to eat now is bologna. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm ahead of the curve with a joker over here. <laughs> I've been stockpiling for years. Yep, giant freezer downstairs filled with just hanging bologna sausages. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Oh, so I was you'll appreciate this. Um, since you and your wife like tangled so much, I was uh. My kids got a book years ago of like Disney Christmas stories. And it's like just, you know, it's a big, thick book with maybe 20 different stories of of of, of, of a length longer than I really care to, you know, be bothered with it at, at seven o'clock at night. But the, it's just like all the characters from, from, from the movies get like a Christmas tale. So like there's the Toy Story one where they, they, they make a Christmas even though Andy goes on vacation. They... There's one for, you know, this movie in Monsters, Inc. And and so my daughter wants to read the one from Tangled tonight. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. So we'll open it up. And usually these stories are pretty boring. It's just like a very generic story with the characters told or like at Christmas time. But they really leaned into the whole like kid, uh, kidnapped and abused angle with, <laughs> with Tangled. And so... You know, the story starts off as like, oh, we're getting ready for Christmas. Isn't it great? And she's like, no, Christmas is terrible. And everyone's like, what are you talking about, Rapunzel? And apparently the backstory was that Mother Gothel, for some reason, 
<laughs> entirely unnecessarily, seeing as how she was locked in a tower, taught her that Christmas was a horrible time of year where Santa is some kind of a crazy, you know, evil elf that steals children. And the reason you put up, put up, put up trees was to, like, decorate them with scary things to ward off the... Uh... <laughs> it was the craziest story. I guess that was what happens. I, I mean, why wouldn't she do that, right? I mean, because she's an evil witch. Right. I mean, I'm thinking, wouldn't it have been easier just not to mention it? Like, yeah. what's just... today? Today's nothing. It's just another day. <laughs> I was going to say, every day was the same. You know, it was like that 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 movie with was it Brie Larson, The Room, where the, her and her son are like held captive by some guy in a dungeon for like ten years. And you know, why would that guy bother to explain Christmas to anybody? Yeah. Like, it just seemed <laughs> it just seemed strange. And like, Maybe she was bored. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, and every page it was a new thing like some kid in the town square hands her a present and it's like here you go princess and she like jumps behind a wall thinking it's going to explode <laughs> like it was it was really way darker than most of these stories are and then you know by the end she realizes that everything she knew was a lie and she gets into the spirit of things but i was just like i'm reading it to my two-year-old i go you don't really understand this she's just pointing out all the pictures like who's that who's that Who's that? Like, I guess like Stephen, Stephen, they let Stephen King write one of these. Like everybody gets a guest writer. And, yeah, it's you know, basically Stephen, it's a bit more macabre than we were hoping for. But all right, you are the master. So as long all as right. they have candy canes and cocoa at the end, I guess it doesn't matter where you go from A to B. So. I just yeah, that was it was disturbing. I'm like, oh, that's a bizarre way to look at this, but. Yeah, it's a choice. Uh, that's that's one way to do it. I mean, Tangled is a good movie, so yeah, no. And so, does she have her short hair in these things? Yeah, and she's got oh, yeah. the the short hair, which I'm sure is is easier to 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 draw for the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so um, speaking of interesting some... choices. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yes. Uh, the harder they fall. Um, where did you hear about this? Because like, there's so many movies. There's just so many movies that just pop up all the time. I really, you kind of wonder how they make them all. Because there's just so damn many of them. And yeah, I mean, there always are just so many movies. And that's the whole point, I guess. Um, but this one just went right to Netflix. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. Somebody was reviewing it somewhere and I was like, oh, hey, a movie with Idris Elba and Cowboys and it's on Netflix. So, you know, it, it had a few good reviews. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What'd you think? This was excellent. Hmm. This was a great movie. I uh, I'm, I don't mean to sound surprised. It's not surprised for any other other reason other other than most of what we see we don't particularly care for, and some of these sort of directed to Netflix movies generally aren't very good. I mean, I, I don't know what the budget on this movie was, but they spent a couple hundred million dollars making Red Notice, which I haven't seen, but it you know, 
it's supposed to be extraordinarily mediocre, like to the point not bad because you've got three attractive and charming people in the lead, but like it's not supposed to be a good movie. It's supposed to be like, ah, well, you get what you pay for kind of thing, which is disappointing that that's how we increasingly look at movies these days is like well you know it's you know we 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 either love a superhero movie or we sort of rationalize why something is bad because well it's you know a goofy action movie or whatever but um but I, i'm just surprised because like it was just a straight up western and they don't make those anymore. Like, I don't know what the line is. Like, you've said it's unforgiven, where it's just like, okay, we're done with Westerns. That's it. We're not making any more. Yeah, it's usually unforgiven. But Unforgiven also came out in 92, 93. Like, it was like the early 90s. How many Westerns did they make between Unforgiven and, I don't know, the 70s? Not a ton. Um, not a ton. They I mean, came like out da- here and there. Like Dances with Wolves is not really a Western in the traditional sense. It's more of an epic. You know, Tombstone is fun, but it's, I guess, kind of a Western. It's, it doesn't have the, 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 the sort of standard, like Tombstone and um, like Butch what's Cassidy. That, what's that one we saw that was? Open Range. No, not open range. It was the other one with the the Earp brothers, right? Was that Tombstone? Kurt. Oh, that's that's Tombstone. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah and like Tombstone has a, you know, a special place in people's hearts in terms of like people really like that movie, and it's not bad. It's of the time where they were, you know, where where movie stars really ran the whole show, and so you had a bunch of movie stars in the same movie, and it was kind of exciting. Um. But it was a little bit different than most westerns, and it was again even back then it was kind of a throwback. It, it, you know, it wasn't you know, and there's like the quick and the dead, and like there's a couple that like just sort of stand out as like not very gritty westerns, but like kind of pretty boy westerns where they put people in it who like normally wouldn't have wouldn't have made a western, like Val Kilmer, you know, or Sharon Stone for Christ's sakes, like you know, like. I don't know. So, like, the genre always seems to be dying, and then all of a sudden they'll come out with one, and it'll do pretty well. I mean, Open Range wasn't a good movie. It just has a phenomenal gun battle at the end. And I think a lot of these movies tend to be sort of lukewarm or solidifying the the deadness of the genre because they do something a little bit different like they try to be, you know, it's kind of subvert your expectations somehow or play against convention. This movie doesn't do that. It is a textbook western. It is there's nothing about it in terms of its characters, its plot, its structure that is even that even remotely deviates from what a, from what a western is. And that's kind of why it's brilliant is because they just said, why would we change everything? The formula works so damn well for 40 years. We might as well just leave it alone and tell our own story using it. You know, you can have, you know, recognizable archetypes and scenarios and 
it's just like if it ain't broke for god's sakes why would you and then what they did was just layer things on top of it that made it sort of engaging and relatable and you know kind of fun and brought brought the the movie into the modern era without making it weird and goofy like you know wild wild west did with all kinds of weird technology in it and you know trying oh, to make yeah. it a comedy like that was a that was a mess yeah so but no i loved it i thought it was great i thought everybody in it was good i was sufficiently terrified of what was going to happen like it, it there was there was there was high stakes there was real tension it was good drama it, it was it was well performed it was well written um yeah, no, I thought it was fantastic. What do you think? Um, I thought it was good. I don't know if it was fantastic. I, I think because it's a western and it it adheres so closely to every western cliche that you know. Um, it was relying a lot on the style. You know, the style of the film is, you know, it's mostly black cast. I, I think there's only a couple of white people in it. Um, they play a lot of rap music and like hip hop versions of songs uh, for scene transitions and stuff like that. And during gun battles, which is cool. <clears throat> um, you know, it's extremely stylized. You know, the, the black town is like this colorful place with the buildings are, are day glow and everything. And like the white person's town is literally painted all white, like the yeah. buildings and the fences and everything. That was hilarious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the the style is is heavy and and it's good it's really interesting you know the the way that all the characters talk and stuff but i think at the same time because it's so you know the characters are just archetypes even though they're based on real people and the plot goes through the motions um sometimes it got a little much and and it was easy to see where it was all going to go Oh yeah, no, there was stupid. Yeah, okay, go on. <laughs> so, uh, well, one of the criticisms of, of a western is that it's formulaic, like a superhero movie, which is always true. And so, when you have western movies, that you always have a gun battle at the end. It's pretty much, you know, it's a guarantee. You need to have that. It's more bizarre when they don't. You know, <laughs> I'll never forget. We were watching that. Our father loved westerns. And he was showing us that one Western movie where um, Clint Eastwood rides into town, kills half the people there, rapes a woman, and then burns it to the ground <laughs> and then rides off. And that's the whole movie. And we're sitting there like, what the hell was that? <laughs> and he goes, well, he's supposed to be taking revenge on this town because he was strung up by bandits and they didn't help him. <laughs> it's like, that's a movie <laughs> you know like that was the odd one that was like a really strange one that didn't follow anything what was that one called again? i don't even remember i know it's a thing because it was so bizarre yeah you like he was, i'm gonna effort that i'm curious he, he was supposed to be like the spirit of a guy a lawman who wouldn't killed by bandits and he asked the townspeople to help him and they were all cowards and they ran so when he comes back they don't know it's him but he's like this avenging spirit, basically, that like kills half of them and burns the town down in revenge. High Plains little... Drifter? Is that it? Yeah, something like that. That one. 
you know. So, but most of them end where you have this setup of characters are gonna, you know, we need to rob a bank or get revenge or something and chase bandits away from the town. And there's always a gun battle at the end, much like a superhero movie where there's like a big fight and you have to fight the bad guys or whatever it is. Cowboys and movies are black hats versus white hats kind of things. So this movie was the same way. So I didn't think that was all that interesting. And I think to fill a lot of the time, I, I kept checking my watch because I don't ever remember there being so much monologuing in a movie that was so pointless. I kept thinking of the Incredibles, you know, where they're joking how the villain has them <laughs> and they start to monologue. Yeah. They get away. And then he, he begins monologuing. Yak, yak, yak. He's got me on a silver platter and he won't shut up. Some of that you expect in a cowboy movie, you know, like, why don't they just shoot each other for God's sakes? But it's like, I got to stare you down with my hand on my hip and we count to 10 or whatever. But in this movie, man, oh my God, there was a lot of monologuing. Yeah. Like, I think my, my only real complaint about it was that you could easily have shaved an hour (laughs) off the runtime and you would have gotten pretty much the same thing. Like, the scene where they rob the bank in the white town is hilarious, but it's not necessary. Like it doesn't add anything. They, 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 they can get the money another way. Like it doesn't, you, 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 you can even do like a cut to and then cut back and like, Oh look, we robbed the bank in the meantime. Cause there wasn't anything in it. Like, you know, they, 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 they get, they get set up. So you, you know, you have to go get us our money or we're going to kill everybody and, and your girlfriend. Um, and uh, they make it out to be like, oh, we have to go do this this one thing. And they don't do that. That's like their thing is they don't rob banks. They rob bank robbers. And so it's forcing them to go against their code to save the their friend. Okay, fine. But like, I kind of thought there was, there was going to be like a heist thing to it, like some kind of an elaborate plan to rob the bank in the, you know, much more well-off white town. And there's not. There's just like they walk into the bank and they rob it and then, then they run away. And that's sort of the whole thing. Like there wasn't, there, there wasn't much more to it to justify the additional 15 minutes that they spent in that scene. And so, but anyway, like they, they do elongate everything and it's very overdramatic. And some of that is just fun. You just kind of want to chew the scenery, but some of it's just not quite that necessary. Yeah. And the, you, you don't learn a lot of things when they're monologuing. Sometimes you do. Or you get character development there, but a lot of the time you didn't, and it was just sort of like wallowing in the over the topness of it. Well, there aren't any characters. There's just archetypes, which are not characters. They're stock, you know, you fill them in with these, you know, they don't need to be fleshed out. So the monologuing got in the way, like was just explaining, like, you know, I'm the the tough girl who owns the saloon. I'm like, I know that. I know you are. It's your name is literally on the window, you know, and you have a girl who stands by the door and explains this to people when you walk in. Like, I don't need this monologue you're giving me as good as it is. Yeah, yeah. it was just it was just so long. I mean, the characters need them. That's that that's sort of how they get away with it is like they introduce themselves to both the character and the audience. So it sort of moves the plot along. It's not a character moment. It's more of a 
the plot thing. Like you can't walk in there and you know not have to have a conversation about this kind of stuff. So yeah, it's it's tedious. Uh, yeah, at times. I think it was just yeah. that's a good way to put it. It was tedious because all the other stuff was so good that I wanted them to just get to that stuff. You know, like it was a good movie. I liked it. Yeah, but I definitely felt it while I was watching. Like, oh, this is really start shooting someone you know <laughs> and I, I i wouldn't say that there were no characters in this movie i would say that there that there could have been like there was so, so in two cases there definitely was and that was the case of idris elba and regina king's characters so elba's character was pretty good because he's just so terrifying as a bad guy that like you were scared of him no matter what. Like he was just, he was just like the whole thing with the orange and the joke of the kid. Like that was that was hilarious. Um, but her scene, like my favorite scene, I think in the movie is the one where she's peeling the uh, the apple and talking to the girl about. Ooh. Oh come on! That scene's stupid. Why? So that's but that's a character driven <laughs> scene. That's like you like you. One of the things that they don't really do in western movies is they don't give you a reason for the bad guys to be bad guys they're just bad guys you know like and i and again i i'm kind of working at a deficit here because i don't know a lot of westerns i've seen a few with with dad years ago but like it's not a genre that i was ever very interested in and a lot of the movies are old and cheaply made and they don't hold up if like you're coming to to the genre 50 years 60 years later so you know but from what i recall the bank robbers were just bank robbers the, the, the villains were just what they were they were kind of shakespearean in that regard but here they tried to make it a little different because of the fact that all the people in the movie were black and they were you know there were people they they gave them backstories that were obvious given the setting and they like there were people who at the you know at the end of slavery or at whatever point i forget if they give the year for the for the for the story if it's after the civil it's war it's supposed to be like after the civil war yeah so like now they're in a period of transition some people make positive choices and they're upstanding citizens and other people are bad guys, and then there's the ones who are kind of in between, like Nat Love is, and and his gang. That you know they're they don't do the right thing, but they don't do the worst thing either. And so it it makes them a little bit more complex. Other than if they were all white and kind of typical, in the sense that only twenty years earlier they weren't considered people. And it's just sort of the, so the so, so the social dynamic changes a lot of things, and it gives the the villains, you know, motivation to be who they are, which makes them, I think, a bit more interesting than you know Joe Blow, um, you know, Western gangster, which you which you'd find in a lot of Clint Eastwood stuff from the sixties and seventies. Here's the thing with that. <laughs> So your buddy Sonny Bunch had a review, and he pointed out it was pretty good. My buddy, that I, I know the guy. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you're always sticking up for his awful movie takes. Was that 
the Idris Elba and all the black people that followed him lived in this town and he needs money after getting out of jail because he wants to help build the town up because he mentions casually that the territory is about to be opened up to everybody to move in and eventually it becomes a state and what have you. And he wants to have this town just for them. He doesn't want any white prospectors buying it up and driving them out. And, and okay, that's, that's fair. I mean, he's not wrong, you know, and she mentions in that conversation that she believes in the town and she will follow him because he wants the same thing. They both want, you know, this woman, his henchman, they want this town to be just for them. Other black people who are either slaves or not living in America, free of white influence. And there's people in that town, but they only get one little scene. And he never brings that up again, really. He just wants the money back that, that the main heroes have stolen from him. That's his motivation. And it just doesn't get brought up again. That's an interesting part of the film that isn't really explored. Yeah. So when she went on and gave that eight-minute speech while she cuts an apple about how she you know, avenged her sister slitting some girl's throat when she was 10, whatever you're a you're a henchman i got that i've already seen you do bad things in the whole beginning of the movie i don't need any explanation as to why you're a bad person why are you continuing to follow idris elba that's interesting and she mentioned it so even though like she was giving that sort of speech and i thought it would come in later you know even after she gives this and then i slip my that girl's throat and i i'm you know i'm a roof and tooting kind of girl i'm like uh huh. Then what? Well, I it didn't go anywhere. It already explained something I knew about her. Well, it did it go anywhere? Not exactly. No. It what I thought it did was it 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 humanized her a little bit. At the same time, where you 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 could see how sort of sociopathic she was. Which is an odd trick to achieve in one speech, but that's sort of what happened. Is that like she's a bad person? She's always been a bad person, and that's what um you you find out about her in there is that like she's like kind of born like that, and so what turned what 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 what. What what you were saying was like I'm always like this, and the one time I did I used my my psychopathic you know personality to avenge my or to to you know yeah to avenge my sister. Um, it actually caused me to lose my family, and so like it sort of, it just provided you know you with motivation for why she's so evil. You know, and why you know she's really the what what why they are so dangerous. And same thing with um, Idris Elba's speech at the very end, where you find out, spoiler alert, that he's Nat Love's older brother. Um, is that like they they just their their lives were so unbelievably difficult that this is kind of how that you know how they ended up where you know where they are. So does it do anything? Do you learn anything? Not, not you know, not in terms of raw information, but you do get a sense as to how like nobody here is a good person, and a lot of the times it's just a matter of of degrees. 
between how people ended up, you know, one you know one way versus the other. And if you have a slightly better upbringing, you you get to be the hero of the story. And if you're, you know, if what what you experience was just truly despicable and awful, then you get to be the worst villain ever. And it, it was just kind of gave it just it was more depth to it. I guess it would have been everything. <laughs> I mean, I think it would have been a little bit better if there wasn't a lot of overdramaticness in the rest of the movie. If these scenes had kind of stood on their own a bit more, like because the rest of it was so kind of you know dramatic and slow motion and sort of silly, it makes these scenes blend in with those in terms of like this is overdramatic of a different sort. And I don't know. There was also, I think, an an underused character. I mean, I can't think of his name, but like the bad quick draw guy. Oh, he was very good. That guy. He was, the acting was very good. Yeah, he was really good. He was sort of dry and funny, and like was, <laughs> I always think of that joke. I don't know what where it first appeared, but like when like the awkward movie studio guys, like you know, we like this guy. I like him so much. I want whenever he's not on the screen for the for the for the, for the other characters to, for the other characters to go. Where's that guy? What is whenever that from? Poochie's not on. Whenever Poochie's not on screen, characters <laughs> should be saying, "Where's Poochie?" Is that is that from The Simpsons? <laughs> from the Simpsons. Yeah, I thought so. I I I knew that they used it in The Simpsons. I just didn't know if it was if it was the first one they had. And I, I've heard that ever since. But yeah. I kind of did feel like, hey, where's the other guy? Because he's really interesting. I wish he was in this scene. But um, yeah, you know, he was great. I can't think of his name, but uh, his name is Lakeith Stanfield. And I swore I I thought I saw him in something else, but I had never really seen him before. He played he a in? Cherokee Bill. Yeah, Cherokee. Good. What a good name too, Cherokee Bill. Yeah. No, he yeah. was good. Um, he was in Knives Out. He was in Selma. Stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of these actors were in Selma too. Was the black guy. Yeah. yeah. Was the black guy. Yeah. But um, I think I think most of, most of these guys these, these actors are British too, or at least a lot of them are. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. But um, um yeah, he was good. I, I I appreciated that you knew what kind of a movie it was from the beginning, because there's always the shot with a, it, a westerns do things that superhero movies haven't done yet, which is that they've really messed with it. You know, they've messed with the genre. What kind of a of a cowboy movie is gonna be and when he pulls out like his double golden pistols out of his pocket i was like oh it's one of these okay like i knew immediately that's what we were gonna what we were in for yeah you know and then when he shoots them in cold blood and you see the bodies go flying and the blood splattering i'm like oh okay it's gonna be a violent one of these then <laughs> yeah you know because you know to their credit sometimes they're like this and sometimes they're not you know, sometimes they show you people's heads getting blown off and sometimes they always cut away from the violence. So, you know, I, I think it was highly stylized and and overly colorful, like, you know, being in the land of Oz versus being in Kansas. But, you know, it worked to the movie's benefit, I think. It was, it was nice to have that layered on top of a very bare bones plot. Yeah, I think, I mean, it... That and the and the music, and we'll we, we'll get to that in a minute. Like, really, sort of makes the movie a movie. 
you know like and i i also appreciated that like there's a certain level of violence that you can do in this and it's kind of a tricky needle to thread like if you cut away too much then it's sort of unsatisfying if you make it too realistic and you know then it's sort of i don't know boring a little bit like like what am i like so open range is not a great movie it's okay but it's not great it's it's very long and very boring and westerns do i think by virtue of the setting make themselves longer and more dull than they need to be and i don't know if there's a way to avoid that and i just i just don't i, I don't think that the genre allows for like a fast-paced director to come in and make a movie like paul uh, greenglass couldn't make a, a western the guy that did all those jason bourne movies like there are urban movies and there are rural movies and if you have a rural movie which is what most westerns are they're just slower everything t- takes time to go places and do things and like the technology doesn't allow you to you know make a movie think, quick i think the expectations of it are are what messes people too so like deadwood was a show on hbo the western show that they did and it was great but it was not what people thought it was if you're tuning in to watch people shoot each other from across a fairway that's not deadwood you know like it was extremely slow and there was a lot of very hard difficult dialogue he wrote it in an iambic pentameter for god's sakes it, it was a hard show to watch versus like when you watch you know unforgiven and you're waiting to watch people shoot each other for 20 minutes straight in the street so when you start shooting it that way people go this isn't a western it's just a story like a drama with western themes it's like well can it be the same thing but you know your expectations change what you're actually looking at too and like and the violence in deadwood was oh my god was it it was rare i mean one we're talking once a season but when it happened it was so realistic oh my god yeah and so like you you don't want to do that too either yeah that's a whole other thing because it's it's a whole other thing and it it wouldn't have gelled with the the tone of the rest of the film and it also you know people don't always appreciate this it's it's disquieting you know and well yeah it was meant to be you're right and this that wouldn't have worked here but then again also they didn't and i can't remember if i read this in relationship to this movie or not but like i somebody made a comparison to tarantino and like this is not that like his level of violence is almost it's too much like this was just enough in terms of what the kind of movie that they were making this was just enough violence in this in terms of blood and guts and people getting shot and stabbed and things like that like it was it was cartoonish while at the same time it had weight to it it didn't seem like it was you know sort of I guess weightless. <laughs> it did seem, yeah, his, you know, his too, too video game like. His, his is like that. His is imitating splatterhouse movies, grindhouse movies, Japanese samurai films. You know, it, his is just an imitation game of of more schlocky things. 
It's like yeah. someone said, like he makes movies about movies. Like he doesn't really, you know, he's he's always being referential to something, and it's never anything clean or original. It's always a yeah. There's a lot of that there, an homage and whatever he does, you know. And like this had moments of like silly, like when he, he shoots the dynamite and the guy explodes. Yeah, but you cut away from it and you giggle for a second, and then you go, "Oh my god, that guy just exploded!" <laughs> so. Yeah, like this was basically. Three or four schlocky things away from the best black exploitation film you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, like watching Dolomite with Eddie Murphy a while back, and you and I were like, "What exactly did people enjoy about those movies?" And they look, they're not made for us. We get it. We're not indifferent to that whatsoever. But like, you know, you can see why they didn't you know cross over and even become cult favorites among a wider audience they just didn't they were very much what they were um but this you know has a lot of sort of the the soul of some of those movies in it in that it's about black people it's you know it's for black people it's made by black people um and it you know it's it seeks to elevate them at a time in in our history when they were when when that was difficult and at the and and it does so by you know by giving by adding a lot of blood and guts and machismo to to the entire proceedings but it never it never takes you out of it and you're still in it even though it's over the top you're enjoying it it's not you know it's distra- it's not distracting it in any great way you're just sort of along for the ride at that point and they do everything. They do, like you know, the 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 random quick draw guy who gets shot, and you kind of know what's coming. They do the you know the guy shoots the guy through the scope of the of the uh, sniper rifle, and all these things, like all these over the, like the severed arm thing, all these funny things, which are you know they're they're accessible. It, it didn't turn you off of it at any point, but it also. Mm-hmm. You were, I was scared. Like you were, you were, you were nervous that everyone was going to die at some point because it was really now your hero doesn't die. You know, you know that much, but um, you know, it's 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 not without any sense of uh, of actual fear that you know people are are going to get hurt and it's going to be scary. Yeah, that's something westerns have always done more than most. I'll never so, forget watching the Magnificent Seven, and I was shocked at the end to find that they all didn't get out of there alive yeah. like three or four of them don't make it and i just turned i just turned and i was like they don't all get out of there and our dad was like no what did you expect i was like i expected them all to get out of there <laughs> <laughs> they're the magnificent seven not the magnificent three and a half and a few other bozos like <laughs> you know like they're all through the whole film and they all talk them all up and, they, and like they get killed pretty unceremoniously so you know, Unforgiven's like that too. Not everybody makes it out of that one. So Westerns, I think, have been more willing to shoot some of these people. <laughs> so, um, you know, superhero movies, they bring back people back to life, for God's sakes. Yeah, I think there's also the um, the the impulse in a superhero movie to have a sequel. Whereas westerns didn't get sequels, you made one, and that was it. And and if the guy died, the guy died. It was the price of somebody else's success. 
or rather it was yeah it was just it was the cost of it you know although there should be a sequel to this movie based on the end but um yeah i guess you can do more yeah i mean you you, you totally could but like uh, it's funny that like they they made the movie knowing they were good, they would like to make more than one and yet they still killed off characters which is impressive to say that like we're going to you know have to bring in new people to, into the next movie. You know, it'll we'll have some of the same people, and then we'll bring in some new. And like that's not a thing that's common now. Everyone kind of gets the same the same roles back again. And yeah, they, 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 you know, they, the MCU's killed off people, sure, and it was just surprising and super dramatic and what have you. But you know, they don't really kill anybody until they've exhausted their storyline. Or unless they can make a another movie with them that takes place in the past, <laughs> like Black Widow. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, so you enjoy the music too. I did, but before we mention that, I do want to remind you of our sponsor. So, as I mentioned before, we are sponsored by Paramount Pictures' is Deadlock, the action-packed thriller starring Bruce Willis and Patrick Muldoon, which is now available on digital and on demand. When a wanted criminal, Willis, leads a team of mercenaries threatening to flood an entire town, it's up to one retired elite army ranger, Muldoon, to save thousands of innocent lives before it's too late. Buy or rent Deadlock and watch it today. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. So the music, I thought, was... I think the most important element in the story, as far as like the, like the, the construction of the film goes. Um, because it, it kind of achieves what the the music in Guardians of the Galaxy does, not quite as well, but in some ways they're very very similar in that like it sort of grounds the audience in the tone of the movie, or at least the the dramatic nature of the movie. So that that uh, that guy um, that whose video for uh, for Ghostbusters I I suggested that that, uh, that you watch did an entire like hour long video on the use of music in film, and it's it's the it's the uh, the Patrick H Willems YouTube channel and I highly recommend this. It's 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 a long video. It's like almost, it's almost a documentary, um, but it's really really good. And he talks about just the various use of of excuse me <coughs> of music in uh, film and TV and this was like a weird sort of subcategory at the end of his video like the um, non-diegetic anachronistic needle drops that you'd find in things like um, uh, Marie Antoinette that uh, Sofia Coppola did and a few other movies I can't quite think of right now, but like when you take you know non-period specific uh, music and you just throw it in there, and I saw M- M- Marie Antoinette a long time ago and I didn't finish it, but I didn't quite think it worked there. I think it works here because you need music for this kind of stuff, and it can't be just a just a score. That's kind of not sufficient enough. You need something that's going to capture the mood and it's got to be you know 
that has to resonate with a modern audience. And I think it worked really well to have it be rap and hip hop and you know mu- mu- music that you know made by people of a similar culture as those who were, who were pictured on, on the screen. Mm-hmm. So, what uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, it fits into the aesthetic really well. Yeah. Um, I don't think it always has to be. I was actually watching, I was watching Into the Spider Verse the other day, and I've been playing the Spider Man Miles Morales game, and it's it's overly done in that when like whenever he listens to music, it's the same music as the original Spider Man, but it's hip hopified, whatever term they might use, <laughs> which I always thought was kind of odd. I'm like, but black people listen to other things besides rap, right? And they do whatever, you know. But they do also listen more to rap than most white people would. So whatever, fine. Um, but in this movie, especially, it's like, yeah. I mean, they're giving off that vibe everywhere they go. That this is how they behave. You know, they have like normal act. They're like they're not using Western accents. You know, right? Like yeah. They, like they talk like they're from twenty first century Eastern Northeastern America. So. You know, when they talk that way and they listen to that kind of music in the background while they're shooting each other, I'm like, this fits. Like, it's not an odd combination, you know, so it works really well for them. It was almost like, you know, when you take something from Shakespeare and you say, we're going to do this, but we're going to do it in a, in a particular style, which is not really style something, it's stylizing something, which is very different. And stylizing something can be fun to do and certainly has its place you know in in film um and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and it works here because the characters were based very loosely on real people so they you know, these these people did exist and people like this did exist in general who you know i don't know if they existed so so so, so dramatically but what what you do you know when you tell stories like this is you're both doing you're doing two, you're doing two, two things at once you're drawing attention to the fact that the characters are all black and typically westerns do not have all black casts and you're also making the point like it doesn't it, it, it doesn't matter that they're all black because these stories can still be told with these with, with these characters and yes there's a deeper aspect to it when it comes to slavery and you know the way in which that they're trying to live their lives in a post-slavery America um but it it's almost like they're putting on a play and the, and the music sort of adds to that like some of the best Shakespeare I've seen is not the ones that have elaborate costumes and everyone's speaking in um you know, British accents to try to make it more seem more snooty. It's, you know, minimalist sets that just, you know, have one piece of clothing per character to indicate who the people are. And it doesn't matter if Hamlet is black or what. Like, it just, these things are not important. They, they, they just are the characters themselves. So they're kind of having their cake and eating it too in that they're, you know, making a film that's unapologetically an african-american or a black film at the same time they're using a a setting that's not typical of people of color 
you know, to, to, to sort of star in. And the, the music kind of reinforces all of that. I just thought that was really... You know, and it was fun, too. It was more interesting to listen to that music than, I would, than it would a banjo. Or yeah. to a to a score like or just you know like, like a they had just you know had home on the range playing the whole goddamn time that would have been way worse and it just it makes it more exciting and it's it was it was more fun that way mm-hmm. and I'm not familiar with any of the music in the movie because that's not my it's not that's not music that's to my taste but I don't dislike it either it's just not stuff that I I tend to you know that that, that I tend to choose to listen to myself. But it was still great. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know a lot of those songs either. So, but I, it doesn't matter because they they sound fine. Yeah. Um. Anything you didn't like? Uh, just I think the length at times really sort of like it, like I like I watched it over a couple of days at work on on my on my like you know half an hour half an hour lunch break and then a bit you know a bit at home. And uh, it, it at times it did feel long. The, the whole scene in the White Town was funny, but it really wasn't necessary. It just slowed the the story down a bit. Like it really, it's about an hour's worth of characters being introduced before you get to like the, the meat of the story. I kind of looked down on my watch. I'm like, yeah, this is we've been a, here a while before we've actually. Get the main plot going. Yeah, once like they were on the train getting Idris Elba, and I looked at the, I was like, oh my god, this is like taking a while. It was like forty minutes in. Yeah, you know, and he doesn't do a whole lot in this movie. No, he just stands around and looks scary. Yeah, they're all afraid of him, but he has them, his henchmen, do all the work. Yeah, which I was a little surprised. Which is okay. It's just that's a choice. I was just surprised. Did you catch the Easter egg on the train? Uh, yes, I did. I did not. And uh, I have a, a colleague at work. I mentioned this to him. And uh, I, was, I was like, you know, because every now and again, we'll, we'll, we'll trade off and like things that we're, that we're watching. I go, you should check this out. He goes, oh, yeah, no, I saw that already. Did you catch the thing about, <laughs> about Chadwick Boseman? I went, no. And I like pulled up on my phone. I go, oh, yeah, look at that. So... For those of you listening who missed it, the train is um, is named after Chadwick Boseman. It says like C something, something C A Boseman is written on the uh, the side of the locomotive, or at least on like one of the uh, of the cars. So I thought that was interesting. Were, were there other things like that in there? Or was it was that just the one? Um, just that's just the one I saw. What yeah. was what was Bozeman in before Black Panther? Do you do you know what if he did? Um he was in another movie. I'll look it up. Yeah, it was no uh, I don't I don't know. But um but yeah, no. So like, I guess this the length of the movie was generally sort of my only real gripe. Like you could cut a lot from it, you know, and still have it be really effective. Like I um Oh, he was in he was Jackie Robinson in 42. Oh, right. Yeah, I didn't see that movie. Yeah, he was in TV for a lot of stuff until until then. And then he started getting movies. 
But, but um, you know, anyway. Yeah, but yeah, just length. I mean, I I remember I I watched Home Alone the other day. Um, yeah, it's like a Christmas movie thing, and you, you kind of forget like that. That's a very it's it's a ninety minute movie that does a tremendous amount. Like there's it's a it's a it's an extremely tight script that gives you a that that there's a lot going on in there. And then I looked at at like my watch I was like oh my god it's only it's it's only been like an hour fifteen and we're just getting to the final scene where like the the burglars come in and rob the house and a whole lot happens. That's like the crux of the movie right there. And like it just. It's just a lot goes on in there in a very short period of time. Less goes on here in a in you know with, with an hour more runtime. So yeah. like, it could have been a little tighter, but that's my only real sort of like yeah that wasn't that good. Every, like everybody everything else was it was great. It was it, it looked great. It was well acted. You have Delroy Lindo who should be in more movies. You know, yeah, he's underused. I think he's fantastic. You know what it is? It, I think because, and I'm not crapping on it because I don't like it. I did. I liked it. But it's doing every single cowboy cliche at once. Yeah. That, it, that on top of the monologues that go on too long, it's piling in all these things that make the movie feel longer that aren't necessary. You know, so there's like the big bad guy, all of his henchmen. There's the tough talking saloon owner who's the woman there's the woman who dresses like a man and you know <laughs> i forgot about that i love that you know there's two guys who are quick draws and are going the one's the grizzled version one's like the young guy trying to prove himself um there's the black guy who owes the hero a favor delroy lindo's character is the character who was bad and he was so bad that he is the only one who does not fear the bad guy. Yeah. You know, and but now he's reformed and everything. So like everybody's in this doing all of those things that you know, they don't all mesh. There's no reason to have them all in there. And like I like that bank robbing scene too. It's funny, but at the same time you're right. It's completely unnecessary. Like why does he bring her in the dress? You know? Yeah, like like there's a whole thing where she has to put the dress on and go in and help him rob the bank and I didn't think that was going to happen because he says like they have to see my face they don't have to see anybody else's and he, she just puts a bonnet on like if she wears that bowler hat or a bonnet I can still see her face yeah <laughs> so you know they just sort of shove it all in there I was like yeah okay we're doing this now yeah so yeah no, I was but overall, I mean, it's, it's, it's overall. Far, I mean, it was it was an enjoyable time. I mean, it was a good movie. It was a great western. Like especially now, like there's they're not making movies like this anymore. They did this one. It has all of the junk in it that you want to have in a western, and you know it's a little bloated as a result. But it's all it's still it's there. It's fun, and uh, yeah, I mean, like it's something different too. Like it's <laughs> it's. Just, I I hate that we keep saying that you know, this isn't a Marvel movie. Like it just that's that that is refreshing that we get something a little bit different than some things that we are, you know, just sort of like besodden by. 
But um, but yeah, I highly recommend it. You should check it out. It's a lot of fun. Um, I don't, who's 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 the main actor in this movie? I can't remember his name. He's uh, uh, so his name is um, Jonathan Majors, and he's been popping up in like stuff a lot the last year or two. He was in he was in Loki. Okay, he was the he was the end guy in that, and he's been in a lot of movies of. Um, with primarily black casts and things like uh the last black man in san francisco uh he was in lovecraft country yeah, that show on hbo yeah. so and he's good he's got a really good person like you know personable kind of guy he was in that yeah. movie gully that we, we did a promo for years ago or at least a year yes. ago or so. yeah a couple yeah, years ago yeah so which we absolutely watched ourselves. Yeah, it was great. I think we did not watch it. Um, he was in Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh no, and he's in, he'll be in the next one. Yeah, he's out. And he's playing. A, he's playing a really big comic book character. You know, like sometimes I listen to these famous, you know, famous or up and coming people, and they sign on for these Marvel roles. Do these Marvel people tell them how much they're going to be in it? They you must. Know, was it, was it, I would hope so. Lock it down for like, it was like Sebastian Stan made like you know like a fifteen picture deal with him, and like this is a this is like a minor character when we first met him. And right, like even when you're okay, like Tom Holland signed on to be Spider Man. I'm sure they sat him down and was like, "Look, you're gonna be Spider Man if you do this for the next ten years at least. Are you okay with this?" You know. <laughs> But but even this guy's character is supposed to be a big deal. He's not just going to be in one or two of them. Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, he's Kang the Conqueror. Who's I'm, I'm, not, I'm not familiar. I know, <laughs> but he's he's a big deal. He's a, ma- a major major villain. Hmm. So hopefully, you know, they told him this. I mean, maybe they want to because it's a paycheck. You know, it's nice to know you're going to keep getting more paychecks. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he's a good actor. I like him a lot. Yeah, know? he's a very good actor. Yeah. Yeah, the acting in this film was very, very good. He'll be in Creed 3, too. It's not so exciting. <laughs> no. No, that, that, that Drago movie was a uh, definite missed opportunity. Oh, Michael B. Jordan is directing Creed 3. Oh. Yay. Okay. I always think of like Vinny Chase on Entourage. What makes him think he can direct? <laughs> I know. Seriously. He's like the one actor working right now. Everyone is really big on and I just like I was pleased that he wasn't in this movie because I don't I don't like Michael B. Jordan. I think he was great in The Wire. You know, when he was a kid. Say when he was nine? Yeah. <laughs> but like you know, he was really good in that movie or in that show, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like him. I didn't like, it's like, it's like DiCaprio. DiCaprio's not a good actor. Yeah. Everybody's always showing him on my face. I'm like, yeah, okay. Okay. Fine. He has a new one coming out with, uh, what's his, what's her face? Um, Jennifer Lawrence, or he looks like he's playing a character this time and not just like handsome him. actor number four. In a different outfit. Yeah, he has glasses this time. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Anyway, if you guys have any thoughts about The Harder They Fall, you should let us know on Instagram or Twitter. We are at 3 Drinks in Pod on both those things. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and leave ratings. Uh, you can reach us on out at 3 Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out Deadlock from Paramount Pictures, which you can rent or buy right now on demand. Um... Oh, and there's there's always the uh, the uh, T Public store um, for our uh, three, three drinks in podcast merchandise. So go and check those things out. And I'm pretty sure we'll 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 be doing a giveaway for Deadlock in the very near future. So if you manage to listen to all the way to the end of this episode, you've got a sneak peek to the fact that you might win a copy of Deadlock. And so more information about that to follow on the social medias. Anything else? Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. As always, please drink responsibly, and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Avalon, be damned, venture foreign lands. I laid my sword in the sand. I made my peace with man. They lay about and feast as far as my eyes can see. I seek a golden fleece. One day you'll make your peace. So don't tear my hand. I'm just a man, a deadly scene, a weathered bean. Men must cry where soldiers lie on threatened land. My guns go bad. I can make the guns go bang. I make all the guns go bang. I can make the guns go bang. I make all the guns go bang. Seventeen with the switch, it'll change you. Mama always said you was an angel. I forgot ghosts, but these doors he never came through. He got ghosts, but those walls he never came through. Stained glass windows in the church, I hope you stain proof. Swing the ties, change the trying to stain you. Cotton for revenge, dig your grave too Whatever you want in grave, what your tombstone gon' say too Crosses on the head of an angel Sins of the father, dark in the dust that Bobby came you Faithful to the end Bullets with your names, true. Cock back, aim, shoot, bang Whoever tries to fool, there's nothing no one can do Just holding on when they lose I'm making red of the blues I dilate the stream Flying, living the dream. Nothing is quite what it seems. I'm in the sky, mezzanine. Oh, don't tell my hand. I'm just a man, a deadly scene, a weathered bean. Men must cry when soldiers loud threaten land. My guns go bang. I can make the guns go bang. I'm gonna the guns go bang. I can make the guns go bang.
touch it's my open windows close.